that prayer did come out of me. And that was the Holy Spirit helping me see, convicting me of my own sin. That's one of the the works of the Spirit. And making me aware to say, that's the problem here. This is the big battle. Pay attention to this. It's not about whether or not your day is going to get easier. It's about whether or not you're going to hold tightly to your own preferences in the way that you think God should be doing things or whether you're going to submit to His will and actually desire to do things His way. This is a podcast that tells stories about what God is doing right now in the world. We focus on what is happening with, in, or through Christians. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. I'm your host, Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert. Let's get started. Well, today in our studio, we have a surprise guest. <laughs> it's Emma, my inheritance daughter, and um, the instigator of this podcast. Um, the Lord had given her this vision, and then she invited me to join her in it. And uh, she has been working tirelessly behind the scenes to do this podcast. And I do mean tirelessly, especially in light of the last couple months when she has been great with child, and then has given birth to her third child uh, just uh, maybe six weeks ago now, I think. Yeah. And so, Emma, you know, maybe it would be great if you could just start out with a few introductory comments about who you are. How old are you? Uh, I am just, let me think about it for a second. (laughs) I'm just about 31. And I have been married for eight years. I have three kids now. So I have a a daughter who is three and a half, a son who will be two on Friday, and then another son who is six and a half weeks old. Kind of space them all out there, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We've really taken our time between pregnancies. (laughs) But yeah, we live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and my husband is a soccer coach and a software developer. And we live, we're very, very blessed right now to live near family. Two of my sisters live in the area and then mom, you live like an hour away, which is great. So yes, my kids get to see their cousins pretty regularly. Um, We have not lived here for very long. We've lived here for, I guess, coming up on three years. But before that, we bounced around a lot. So I've moved around a ton before that. And John Reagan and I also, since being married, bounced around a whole lot. But now we've been here for a little bit, which feels like a really long time because it's the longest we've been anywhere. But yeah, so I'm just at yeah. home with the kids most of the time. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. So how were you introduced to God? Uh, by you guys. Just <laughs> growing up. Yeah, growing up, we heard about God 
well, you know, when we were very young, the situation or when I was very young, the situation that our family was in was a compound setting with a number of other missionaries. And so I had the privilege of seeing not just my parents, but other adults really seeking God wholeheartedly and dedicating their entire lives to doing what he said. And that is a real privilege and I think has really shaped my understanding of the Christian walk. But as far as a personal interaction with God, you know, when I was really little, I remember realizing that God did not require great sacrifices or um, punishment or like payment from me. I was actually looking at a National Geographic magazine and seeing some of the practices of other religions and realizing that that was not what God required. I guess kind of shocking images for a little kid. There's a picture of a guy with like needles through his tongue as part of a religious ceremony. And that really struck me and helped me understand what I had been hearing, you know, my whole life to that point. So at that point, I decided to to pray and um, submit to God. But I think there have been various points since then where I have, where I've had to say that I want to know him more or I want him to be Lord over increasing areas of my life that I hadn't realized I was not submitting to him. And, or maybe I had, <laughs> and I was deciding anyway to withhold those areas. Since then, by God's grace, I have been seeing growth in myself as a result of his spirit at work. I remember that moment, Emily. You were sitting on my lap, and we were, you know, we had all these National Geographic magazines that we had boxed up and taken with us because. There were definitely no libraries out in the African bush, and you guys made good use of those magazines. And we were thumbing through it one afternoon, and uh, you were very, very struck by that picture. And we talked about who Jesus was, and I remember explaining to you, I, I really did sense the Holy Spirit prompting me. Because, you know, when you have a young child, you know, you're always saying, you know, like, what are they understanding? And you know, how much of this could they possibly know? And you don't want to overload with too much information or information that's a little hard. And um, I had just explained that Jesus actually did it all for us, that there is punishment for sin and it's death, it's bad, but that Jesus in dying himself did that in our place and that all we have to do is place our faith in him and your response at the time was really interesting. You hid, you had a very negative physical hmm. response to it. I, I knew that you were upset. And I honestly did not know what you had done. It did not until until quite a bit later, because I thought you were like, no, I don't want to hear anything about this, you know, because you were just had a real sort of shut down response at the time. So it's uh, it's interesting to me to see that that is when the Holy Spirit was speaking to you. And that you did respond and say, nope, I'm going to trust you, God, for what you said, and I'm going to trust Jesus in what he did. And I don't need to do things like this. I don't need to work to earn earn your pleasure. You've already given it to me. That's really neat to hear. So, you know, you've walked a long way, and it's been so fun as your mom to watch you grow and develop. And uh, it is really super fun to watch you as a mother. You are have just grown so much to be... I think you and I have talked, and I'm going to let you do the talking, but one of the things that I have seen you do and grow in is to set yourself aside. Mm. 
and motherhood for all of us who are moms know that that is really kind of the biggest task that we're asked moment by moment to say, okay, I'm going to not do this. I'm going to do that for my child's sake or maybe for our, our husband's sake, but that we are setting ourselves aside and it's a continual work that we do. And I see you do that every single day. And it's a beautiful oh. thing to watch. So thank, thank you for giving me that joy. But anyway, so what what are you seeing God do in your life right now as you are the mother of these three young children? And I know your husband is extremely busy. He is at the moment. Yeah. So I was doing a Bible study recently, just like online with some ladies from church. And in it, one of the things that was coming up was sort of, we were talking about the Holy Spirit and His work in us. And a couple of the other moms of young children were like, we were discussing, you know, what fruits of the Spirit are you seeing in your life? And we were like, I don't I don't feel like I'm seeing any fruit right now. I feel like I am seeing my the worst parts of myself coming out. I'm angry at my children and I'm impatient with them. And then they have tantrums back at me because I just had a tantrum and it's just not going well. You know, I am not doing a good job. I'm not grateful. I'm <laughs> I'm not self-controlled. I'm not patient. <laughs> I am not. And the root of that is that I am not trusting God. And God called to my mind during those conversations, a few instances, really, honestly, I wrote them down and there's three in the past like year <laughs> that I can think of that were clearly <laughs> God working in me. And, you know, I'm sure that there, I know that there is slow growth throughout, but there are a few particular instances where I can look at, I can look at them and say, for sure, that was not from me. That was the Holy Spirit working in me to bring out something and he, and he let me see it and it encouraged me to see, whoa, wait a second. Why did I just do that? That was not for me. So that's one of the ways that I've seen God working. And I can share what, what those specific instances were. They're pretty brief. <laughs> like I said, there were only three. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. And the fact that you were surprised by them, like you were going, whoa, that's not me. Like, where'd that come from? You know, that's, <laughs> that's really cool. For our listeners, you were referring to a place in the Bible in the book of Galatians chapter five where it's talking about the difference between what our natural person, apart from God, wants to do, our fleshly desires, it's called, and what the Spirit wants to do. And the description of the fruit that you were talking about, the Spirit, is it says in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit, and there's a list, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, <laughs> which often does not show up when you're taking care of kids, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not an exhaustive list, but those are some of the things listed there. So that's what you were talking about where we're like, well, I'm not seeing any of those. So <laughs> yes. anyway, yes. so yeah, share with us three times. Yeah. So, uh, two of them are related to potty training, um, which has <laughs> get right down into it. Right. Oh yeah. Which, you know, my mom's laughing because she knows how much of a struggle this has been for really for over a year 
I mean, it <laughs> has been one of the absolute worst experiences for me so far, or most difficult experiences in parenting. And I'm not very far into the parenting journey, but this has been really tough. So, you know, we probably were not doing a very good job potty training um, and started off sort of inconsistently and very early and probably just confused our poor child dramatically. (laughs) But anyway, what I was facing was a situation where there was just a lot of poop that I had to clean up all the time, like actual poop. I'm, you know, that's not like a metaphor here. This child, I don't, I don't want to embarrass my kid later, but there were a number of instances where poop was smeared everywhere. Like we went into the room after nap time or something like that. And poop was smeared all over my kid, all over the bed, all over the wall, all over the toys. One time I remember we had been out for a long time. They got in bed late and we just heard this little voice from the other room. I did a poop creation because I wanted to. And we both looked at each other, like (laughs) my husband and I, like, oh no, it happened again. So anyway, there have been a number of these situations. And on top of that... And you say to yourself, child who can say creation... You know, like what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, and John Reagan used to say, you know, if your kid can talk, like, why can't they tell you when they need to go to the bathroom? And our kid, who we've had so much trouble with potty training, could say like Stegosaurus and <laughs> would poop all the time, like all over the place. So it was a little humbling, I think, for us. But so on top of these like individual poop creations, as they were very affectionately called, there were also like poop accidents daily. So like cleaning poop out of underwear every day. And I would lose it. Like I could not, I would lose my temper. My poor kids looking at me like, what is going on? For some reason, this was like the end of my ability. So I remember driving in the car actually to visit you, mom, thinking about this because it was a massive problem that I wanted fixed. And in my heart, I felt gratitude, just like genuine gratitude to God for these experiences. Like I had been trying to practice gratitude. I had been saying like in the midst of it, like, thanks God for this. I don't like it. I don't want it, but I'm just going to say, thanks. I hate it. (laughs) But this was different. This was like this overwhelming sensation of like, I am genuinely glad that you have given me these experiences because I know for sure that they are going to be good and they are going to be useful. And I will be able to use these as tools later on in my life somehow. Like you are doing something to me through making me clean poop up daily that is going to further what you want in this world. And I don't know if that's going to be an opportunity to love somebody in a gross situation. Sometimes those arise that I wouldn't have been prepared for otherwise, like in you know, an obvious correlation to this, or whether it's going to be something that I don't recognize as being related to this situation. But I just felt such a confidence that God was working and that it was going to be good and that this was actually a gift 
to me. <laughs> I, it did not continue to feel that in every situation where I had to clean up lots of poop because it continued after that. But I remember noting that moment, like that's not, <laughs> that's not me. Obviously that was just a gift from God growing something good in me and helping me respond the way he wanted me to, to what he was giving me. So have you been able, has that moment come back to you later? You know, I know you don't necessarily feel that overwhelming sense, but the fact that it happened, is that, has that come back to you at other times where you go, oh yeah, like God did that? Yeah, I think it's a, it's been a good reminder for me. I think it's part of a more general work that he's doing in me to accept gifts that I don't like from him, to accept things that don't look pleasant or that I really don't enjoy and allow for the possibility and the very strong probability that they are good. Because it says, you know, my sister sent this verse the other day, and I don't remember where it's from, but we'll put it in the references that God is kind in all of his ways, in all of his works. And so, yeah, it's part of a more general process. I think that God has been impressing on me that I really can trust him in great unpleasantness or things that I don't like. Like with a C-section, actually, I, you know, I just had a repeat C-section. I really didn't want it. It was really unexpected. And that is one of the things that has been coming back to my mind that it's foolish to envy other people's birth experiences that may have gone the way I wanted mine to go or to wish for something else because what God has given me for me is best. And I can 100% trust him in that. That's really good, Emma. Sorry, I interrupted you. You were going to go tell us about number two. Uh, yeah, so the the there was another one that was similar, which was just that I had been praying and praying and praying to have my child be potty trained by the time this third one was born. And about six weeks before his birth, I was like, it's not going to happen. It's, there, you know, we're like so far <laughs> from this being a reality and... I can't keep going anymore, but maybe God's just not going to give me what I was asking for. And maybe I'm kind of trying to manipulate him and keep him to my timeline. And the fact that I was able to see that, and I, I think you helped me see, <laughs> actually, I think I was talking to you and dad, but yeah, just that I was able to see that and to say, I, I'm going to submit to God's timeline on this and just trust him again with the body training thing. And, you know, I, I will say really since, since Bastion was born, it hasn't been as much of an issue. There's still accidents and stuff, but on the whole, I would say that our kid is body trained. Yeah. So God has graciously answered that one, but I, I was willing to submit and say, even if this doesn't happen, it's going to be okay. That was another one. And then the last one was, in a moment with my kids where I was, I mean, losing it. I, I don't even recall what was happening. It was probably just very normal kid stuff. Like someone's getting into something they're not supposed to be getting into. The other one is asking me incessantly for something. You know, my son tends to yell. So he could be like super happily doing something, but he's just yelling the whole time. And so it's probably one of those things, right? Like I'm trying to put away groceries and there's stuff going on, right? And I'm pregnant and I remember praying. And typically my prayer in those moments is like, God, you need to change something. I want something to change. I need help right now in the circumstance. Like 
I, <laughs> I need somebody else to intervene here and help me like help me by changing the circumstances and removing what's unpleasant. But in that moment, what I prayed was God help me. Sin is crouching at my door. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm getting, I'm kind of tearing up talking about it and, and it desires to have me. And I don't want to respond in sin. I want to respond in this moment the way you want me to respond. And and the prayer so surprised me that I actually stopped in that moment and was like, wait, what? (laughs) Because it was so not my natural response. And, you know, I confess it's still not often my prayer, Um, but it happened. That prayer did come out of me. And that was the Holy Spirit helping me see, convicting me of my own sin. That's one of the the works of the spirit and making me aware to say, that's the problem here. This is the big battle. Pay attention to this. It's not about whether or not your day is going to get easier. It's about whether or not you're going to hold tightly to your own, Uh, you know, like in the story of Cain and Abel that that comes from whether or not you're going to hold tightly to your own preferences in the way that you think God should be doing things or whether you're going to submit to his will and actually desire to do things his way. You know, Emma, that is so good. And it is so, so true that at least for me, I think one of the things I've learned that, you know, the longer I go is that our lives are so much less about the what, the circumstances, so much less about, you know, like you were saying, change this, change that. And so much more about seeing his, him act in the midst of our circumstances, seeing him do what only he can do in the midst of it. And us relying on him for that. That's what he invites us to do, where we get to see God work. And that's what we're talking about here in this whole podcast, seeing God. And so we sort of think, oh, you know, God shows up and he's going to like, you know, send somebody to help me with my kids or, you know, like the concrete, let's change the circumstances. And you're talking about, no, he's actually surprising me with things that are welling up inside of me that are causing me to look to him. They're causing me to see him at work. And that's so different from what we see. We, you know, like we see with you know, so much of just what the world is around us. And he keeps teaching us to see him. Yeah, that is, that's just that's good, Emma. That's really, really neat. So the sin is crouching at your door is from the Bible. Yes, it's from Genesis, from the story of Cain and Abel. That's what God said to Cain um, before Cain then gave in (laughs) to the sin crouching at his door um, and and killed his brother. And, you know, I was just going to say, you know, you mentioned those circumstantial changes and there have been lots of those. And that's one of the other areas where I have seen God working is him responding to specific prayers that I have had or specific needs that I've had. Because I think in any situation, this is true. But for me, particularly as a mom of very young children, I have felt um, more vulnerable than I have in many situations. Like I'm responsible for these little lives and I am not adequate. (laughs) I am, I'm not capable of protecting them all the time or helping them all the time or, you know, just doing everything that needs to be done. I'm exhausted. 
And so there are some very real physical needs that have manifested in, you know, since I've become a mom that I haven't faced previously. And God has continued to just very graciously meet those needs in the day to day. And, you know, some recent examples that I can think of are, well, in, in labor and delivery, those are some really obvious ones. I've prayed some very concrete prayers. I remember with Finn, when I was having him being like, God, something needs to change by this time. I can't do this anymore. And, uh, <laughs> and God graciously responded and I would look up at the clock and it would be that specific time that I had said when something changed and um, we were moving in a different direction. So some of those, and then in my schedule, like, you know, John Reagan has been super busy and there have been a number of times when I've just said, God, this is too much. I need some more help. This schedule is crazy. And John Reagan will come home and say, oh, this game got canceled or this practice got canceled or we don't have this for two weeks and not know that I was asking God just that night for uh, for a little bit of a reprieve. Or, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do that day. And I get a text from one of my sisters saying, hey, do you guys want to come over? Or can I watch the kids for you? Or it's a lot of instances like that. That's really neat. I do remember, you know, I was in the labor and delivery room with you when you were um, laboring with Phineas. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was a question of, you know, you'd already had one C-section and you wanted to not have another one. And it had been a very, very long and difficult labor and lots of things were not going well. And you were, we all were ready and said, you know, maybe you should just have the C-section except for the doctor, which was very interesting. He was gracious and really wanted to work through it. But we stopped and prayed. I don't, I don't know if you remember that part. Um, we just prayed and said, God, you know, can you please intervene? And we didn't know that you had asked for the specific time frame. <laughs> but you had said, can you please be born by this time? And if not, you know, you were done. And boy, you just made it in there. You know, it was really. Yeah, he said he needed to come by midnight. Yep. And he came at 1146. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, wow, you know, he skidded right in. That was that was really fun to see. Uh, Well, fun for us, not so much fun for you. (laughs) Fun afterwards. (laughs) That is really neat. So you're saying you've seen God intervene in circumstances, but also just in changing your heart in your understanding and perception of the circumstance. Yep. Good. Has anything surprised you about that? You know, one of the things that has surprised me about God and continues to surprise me, I think I started being surprised by this like in middle school (laughs) and it has continued to surprise me. And it's kind of a, a small thing, but, or I guess it could seem like a small thing, but it is that God is attentive to our physical bodies. Now, I don't know if I can share this on here, but one, the instance that I remember first surprising me was at camp, at summer camp. And I was constipated. <laughs> There's a lot of poop going on. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is uh-huh. like, I'm the podcast host <laughs> and my episode is all about poop. Um <laughs> <laughs> It's just your stage of life. (laughs) You know, I guess so. But I remember being like, I am so uncomfortable. I'm not enjoying camp. This is awful. And I don't know what to do about it. So I just prayed. I asked God for help. And I pooped, you know. (laughs) 
And like I said, maybe we shouldn't put this on the episode, but, but that was a moment where I remember just realizing that God cared about these small physical experiences that he made my body and he cared about all of those things. And that has been reinforced for me just again and again, that God's not afraid of my body. (laughs) God is totally in control of my body. You know, C.S. Lewis said the fact that we have bodies is the oldest joke there is. (laughs) And, and it is, it's kind of, it's a, it's a real challenge. We are these spiritual beings um, with physical bodies. We're eternal. And yet we have this dying body that we're inside Uh, and God really cares so much about it. And it's so much part of who we are and part of how we understand him. So that's something that has surprised me continually at various points. You know, I've talked about the ways that I've been seeing God and, and some of them have been through these very physical experiences of, of labor and birth. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because religions have um, different views about body and spirit, you know, the significance of it. And Christianity is pretty clear that you know, our body, everything about us is connected. Even God says that we're supposed to love Him with our whole mind, our whole soul, you know, with all of our strength, with all of our might. And He doesn't divorce any part of us. You know, He does care about this physical body, even though we know that our bodies are are subject to decay as a result of sin. And it's amazing that He's got a plan for this body, you know, and He uses body. He blesses us through our body. We also suffer with our bodies, but he, like you said, he cares about them. He, he doesn't say, well, oh, your body's not significant. I just care about your soul. You know, that's the spiritual part. It's the important part. Well, spiritual is, but so is the body. And he doesn't negate one over the other. Your other sister, Grace, had just reminded me of this the other day um, where she was talking about, it's from 1 Corinthians 15, when it's talking about a, a resurrection where for people who've trusted Christ, that our bodies are going to be raised and we're going to be given new bodies. It's really difficult to even comprehend. They're called spiritual bodies. And it says our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. And when we think about like, you know, here I am with my sickness, you know, and you're talking about whatever, poop and, you know, C-sections and uh, just exhaustion, yeah, that's all the brokenness, but we're going to be, it says they're buried in weakness, but they'll be raised in strength. So it says, for just as these are natural bodies, they're also spiritual bodies. And that someday we're going to be like that. We're going to have a spiritual body. And at that point, it says that death is swallowed up in victory. And that is because what Christ did. I mean, that's just such an incredible hope that we have. And you're just talking about like these little glimpses he has given where he is God over our constipated body. <laughs> so, yeah, it's true. Yeah. And we have Jesus as our example with his resurrected body that he had the scars. He still has the scars from his experience in his first body. <laughs> And so there's clearly some, you know, it's his body, it's him. His disciples were able to recognize him, but it is this body raised in in glory. And that actually brings me kind of to the last thing that I wanted to share that I had thought about beforehand. And it's a, a sort of an experience of God that 
I had in the past year or so that it was a glimpse of that reality that that resurrection from this world um that really was an encouragement to me and it was when you were when you were going through some of the worst parts of the past year with surgery and hospitalization i think it was in the fall so it was probably with your longest hospitalization and i was just lying in bed by myself john reagan was at practice and I was so burdened and so sad, just burdened by the weight of the world, by how broken things are, how hard it is. I think I often just feel like life keeps getting harder. You know, the more, the more you see and yeah, the older I get and it's just, it's hard. It's a real life is really hard. There's so many very, very difficult things. And, um, particularly, you know, watching you suffer mom was really difficult, is really difficult. Um, and I was just kind of crying out to God about it, lamenting the the world. <laughs> and he gave me this, you know, not like, not like a vision. I don't know, whatever. I had this picture of Christ of Jesus living in the world and not being corrupted by it, that he was sinless. And not that we are corrupted by the world. You know, we're, we have a sin nature in ourselves also. So it's not like we start off good and the world corrupts us. But I think there is this sense that at least in me, there was this sense that the world is so bad that it corrupts everything, you know, like how can you live in the world and not be tainted by sickness or by death or by suffering or by, you know, me getting angry at my kids and hurting their feelings because I'm not understanding what they're going through. And I'm not patient enough in that moment to stop and understand all of those things that I feel like we just taint each other all the time. And I had this picture of, of Jesus living in that and suffering under it, but not being tainted by it. It didn't make him dirty. It didn't get anything on him. And he rose from the world in glory, in perfect holiness. And I just had this picture of Jesus emerging from the world, like in burning holiness. And you know, it says it describes Jesus in Revelation as like being in these blinding robes of white and and burning like fire. And that's what I pictured. And it satisfied me. I was satisfied with that holiness. And I felt like if he can live here and not be corrupted in any way by it, I can trust him. Like somehow that makes it made it okay for me that that was enough of an answer. And, you know, it's, we have an example of that in the Bible with Job when he was saying, God, this isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't fair (laughs) while the suffering and God responded by just showing him more of himself. You know, he kind of was like, well, where were you, Job, when, when I did all these amazing things and Job says, you're right. I shouldn't have spoken. I I can't accuse you basically. And so that it was kind of one of those moments for me. And it was very much about 
him him rising in glorified holiness from the world from death. Um, so that was a really particular instance of catching a little bit of a glimpse of him. You know, you're right. When I have read the story of Job in the book of Job, I mean, God later says, you know, like to his, the people that were his so-called friends, like, you know, get over it. Like Job is, is perfect. Like he's my man, you know, he, he fully backed Job in his righteousness and the fact that his suffering had nothing to do with Job's sin. It had everything to do with God's plans to show who he was. And, and yet when Job, you know, was kind of fed up and talking to God about it because he didn't understand God didn't say, well, wait a minute, Job. No, really, you're good. You know, like I'm, I'm for you. You know, every, I'm doing something. He didn't explain that. He didn't do any of that. And that always took me by surprise. What he said is, whoa, Job, I am God. And like he just showed him so much of his otherness that it blew Job away. And Job stood there in complete humility, even though God thought he was pretty good before that. He obviously wasn't completely humble because God humbled him even further by, by telling him that. But that always struck me. And you're right. That is when we catch a glimpse of that. And even just the, our hope is in the fact that, that Jesus was resurrected. You know, I used to wonder about that. It was like, well, he died for my sins. So now like, I'm okay. I'm good with God. I don't have to worry about being punished. He said, I'll live eternally, you know, after I die on this earth and I get to go to heaven. Like this is, it's like all good. So what's the big deal about the resurrection? And I even feel like sacrilegious to even say that because the resurrection is a huge deal. It's because that shows us it's complete victory over all this brokenness. It's not just we get a ticket out of it. It's that, no, 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 no. God is so much bigger than this, and he is going to write it all one day. Like, that is such an incredible hope. So, it is real. That's really cool that he, in your moment of feeling all that weight, that he just gave you that that picture, that clear picture of his holiness. That's really neat. Yeah, it was. I was really grateful. <laughs> well, Emma, thank you for letting me interview you today. And I, I think we'll probably get to do this again sometime because you've got a lot of life going on uh, in your household. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with all of us. But um, thank you for the encouragement that you are to me too, honey. We'll talk again. We will. Thank you. Psalm 107 verse 43 says about stories like this. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. If you have a story you'd like to share, or you know of someone who does, please go to our website at www.seeinggodpodcast.wordpress.com and click on Submit a Story. God is doing things all over in all of His people, and we want to know about as many stories as possible. So please do go to the website and submit a story. Also, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode or the podcast in general. You can tweet us at God Seeing or comment on our Instagram or Facebook pages at Seeing God Podcast. You can also email us at seeinggodpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert, and our show music is Siberia by Dmitry Lukyanov.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Seeing God. 